What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching to Untold Stories, where twice a week, or really more than that, because twice a week, you get to listen and dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders. But I get to do it almost every, every day of the week, which is really an amazing thing. And I'm coming to you here from sunny Sarasota, Florida. I'm really excited because my Tampa Bay Bucks won at the Super Bowl last night and at the American football, because I know Actually, what's what's really interesting about this show that I found out recently is most of my listeners are not in the United States. Most of my listeners, yeah, it's it's amazing. I love and I, and I like it. I like that because I'm here to preach and and talk. You know, and I call myself an apostle of Satoshi Nakamoto, like preach the gospel of 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 Bitcoin and crypto in general. And I'm I'm really excited to be talking to you guys today. I have Russell Khan and Taurus Kulik from Core Scientific. You guys are future proof. Future proof is your is your tagline, is your motto. And essentially you allow the world to invest and get involved in in mining and crypto mining. But it's not just that. And I want to hear from the beginning, you know, mining as a as an industry, how when that changed, mining as an industry. But really what's what's really, really interesting to me, and, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but mining is still so new and really unknown. People don't understand the the social aspect of mining because in every business, with everything really, it, it, it comes down to, to a business. But with mining, there's almost like, that was such a part of, of Satoshi's brainchild, how, how mining has a, an emotional aspect to it. And I remember a lot of the the early day Bitcoin miners weren't even mining to to sell Bitcoin. They were mining just to hold. It wasn't really being done as a business. And you guys, the miners, the node operators, the business owners, you guys are like the guardians of the crypto space. You're the guardians of the blockchain because we have to maintain the integrity of this chain. And if you may, if you yep. lose the integrity of a chain, it all goes away. This, we just might as well pack it up and go home. So That's really correct, like... Yeah. You guys are operating a business and you have to, as a business, look to your shareholders and, and maximize their profits. But at the same time, how do you run and operate this, this, this huge, huge company? And I mean, Russell, you're the chief success officer, chief customer success officer. How do you run? How do you guys run this business knowing that your shareholders are not just the owners of the stock, but are everyone inside? that the holders, the users of all crypto, those are the people that are also you guys are guarding and representing. How do you run a business and keep us, you know, on the back of your mind? Oh, that's a <laughs> question. You know, we, we, we do consider uh, you know, that we have a lot of stakeholders. I'm good at this um, podcasting, our right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our, our employees are stakeholders. Our shareholders are stakeholders. Um, our clients are certainly stakeholders that we actually consider, you know, our, the, the broader community, some of our stakeholders, and, and we actually participate in things in the blockchain space that, uh, you know, are not necessarily around digital assets or, or making money. We have blockchain side projects and no projects, um, that where we just want to be part of that whole ecosystem, part of the solution of, of the blockchain ecosystem, the digital asset ecosystem. You have to have also, a love for it. You guys have a love, like everyone who works there and runs and even the people who probably clean the toilets, you have to have a love for crypto. It's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, folks that 
when they first come to court, they've never heard of it. It doesn't take very long until you get the bug. And then once you once you've been bit by the bug, you're diving in. And uh, a lot of our employees are into mining and they're into GPU mining or ASIC mining. Uh, they're into trading things. So our, our employees, of course, get heavily involved. And then, our, then those employees, families start getting involved. Um, so we as a company, you know, we're, we're in it to win it up and down. Uh, and we're, we're, we fully embrace the space. Um, and, I, and I guess that's part of the thing is we, we try to figure out what's the long term solution here, which is why we invest heavily in infrastructure. You know, uh, we have a lot of power. Uh, we have huge data centers in North Carolina, Georgia, and Kentucky, millions of square feet of data centers, hundreds and hundreds of megawatts of built out space, and we own all of our facilities. So one of the things you're talking about trying to be the guardians of the galaxy or the guardians of this ecosystem is we are trying to have that huge infrastructure piece that requires a lot of lot of dollars invested and a lot of time invested. But we, we try to get that infrastructure piece so that we're here for the long term so that um, as machinery improves, as chipsets improve, uh, we still have that. You know, we we cycle out machines every three, four years. But that 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 huge infrastructure you need in order to be a be a large scale miner or to be an efficient miner, uh, we we make the dollars invested that you need to in order to uh, to to be here for the long run. So yeah, we do this. Go ahead, Taras. And if I can add one thing, it's um, I mean, Core Scientific. You know, given my background in the space and having circled the world looking for solid hosting partners and operators before I joined Core Scientific. Core has really been the leader in operating a large-scale fleet in a transparent way. They're one of the very first large-scale mining operators that you know did fully transparent audits. You could find the management team online. They weren't operating in the shadows. I mean, their facilities and sites were published in a public way. I mean, a lot of digital mining used to take place in the shadow, so to speak, whereas Core Scientific and the team has really made it, you know, um, a strategy to be public, to be open, to be enterprise, you know, to use that word. Um, and so that really is a reflection, not just on the future growth, but also in a way to show that the entire ecosystem, digital mining and digital assets in particular, are above board, are part of the financial ecosystem. Um, and that's really something that we're really working on, on, on a, as a corporate strategy is to destigmatize the industry. Right. So that's also something that we think is a part of our DNA within core. What type of stigmas do you think mining comes with? Well, I mean, there's the argument around uh, use of power, electricity. You know, that's been fairly debunked as to how much power digital asset mining actually consumes on a daily or yearly basis versus the traditional financial ecosystem. Um, that's one. I'm a big um, defender of that of that debate because people don't realize that and sorry to interrupt you no, of but, course. Uh, especially when I have conversations with uh, some of my friends who are on the boards of these big environmental protection groups especially down here in Florida and I explain to them you you don't realize that pre crypto no one cared about no well not no one cared but there was no economic incentive for efficient and honest energy efficient cleaner renewable better energy now you have an industry that literally like needs it for its survival on a year to year, exactly. year over year basis. You should be like thanking us. You should be yeah. renaming your whole the, the Satoshi Environmental Group of America. You know what I mean? That's right. It, if people don't realize, you know, the, the most affordable and efficient power is renewable, renewable power yeah. because it has zero input cost. And 
we're in an industry that's going to drive that. You know, at core right now, uh, I haven't got the 2020 numbers, 2019, we were 46% carbon neutral. And that's because power is the leading cost of goods sold for us. So you have to go where power is affordable and efficient. And all that is solar and nuclear and wind. And stable. Uh, yeah. Hydro, a lot of hydro. We have a lot of hydro, a lot of solar on our network and, and stable. That's, that's correct. And you're, you're exactly right, Charlie. This innovation, this industry is going to drive innovation in in the space because we use so much power um, and it has to be affordable power. And quite frankly, if you have to dig something out of the ground and burn it, it's not affordable mm. because you've you had to dig that fuel out of the ground and burn it. It's much better when you have a zero fuel input cost like coming from a hydro dam or something. So There's something in, very- in, in your DNA and your DNA and my DNA that one of the reasons we joined this space and we took the risks that we did is because we want to leave the world in a better place than we, you know what it was when we were born here. And so it's in our it's in our DNA and our blood to do renewable energy and to to continue to maintain that. This is something I actually didn't plan on asking, but do you think like uh companies like yourself or you know some of your competitors could ever become actual utilities in some of these places where you maintain uh some of these data centers and huge mining operations? I would I think, say, uh, you, go ahead, Russ. Dive into it, Russ. Go ahead. <laughs> I think uh, there's a natural evolution within the digital mining space that uh, the power generation and management of mining fleets uh, will start to meld and start to merge. Um, there's already precedence for utilities really partnering with mm. different digital mining companies uh, that you know you can find in the news. I won't name them, but uh, you can certainly find them if you do a quick Google search. Um, so I certainly think that that's uh, down the road, and I'll hand off to Russ as to his opinion. On I was going to say, you know, being a large user of power, I think you're going to see innovation in that space, and it's going to be related to to cryptocurrencies, digital assets. I mean, we we use hundreds and hundreds of megawatts of power, and we use it 365, right, 24 seven, 365. Uh, it's it's very unique in the, in the space, and I think we're going to see innovation in solar and batteries and those kind of things because. Uh, you know, for us, we have to have very efficient power. Um, I live in South Carolina. We're a regulated state. And I was speaking with some folks about what it would take to really, you know, increase the, the crypto or digital asset space here in South Carolina. And I said, well, you need to deregulate the industry. Uh, you know, most power in this country is regulated. And it's one of the last things that is regulated. Um, and, and what I mean by that is you stifle with regulation, you stifle innovation. Uh, capital markets become free and things become more efficient when, when you have capital markets and you have innovation. Yeah, and I think I, we're going to see that happen uh, in the power space, particularly as I it relates to digital assets because we're a big, big buyer of power. I keep forgetting that that energy is one of the last state monopolies in a lot of places. I remember in yeah. New York growing up when they deregulated it, people would be going on like knocking on doors, getting you to sign up for different power companies. Yep. Direct energy. Yeah, yeah. When I live in Florida, (laughs) I live in Florida, and I don't. I think it's just one FPL, Florida Power and Light, and that's it. There are no other ones. In fact, like I joke, so I jokingly, so like you, like it's interesting. There's, I think there's like an ethos that we want to be off the grid, or you know, supply our own power, or you know, have our own water, just kind of like be sustainable in a way. And so I live here in Florida, and I have a well, and you can't really dig wells anymore down here, and I have a really deep well, a lot of water. And so my neighbors all ask me to like tap into my well. I have plenty of water. So I let everyone run PVC pipe. I'm like my own water utility now. I'm like the Sarasota, Florida water utility. 
So I had my friend Larry, who's my neighbor. I was like, Larry, you're building a generator. Tap me into that shit. You get water, <laughs> I get. So yeah. now we have. No, you joke, but we have. We call it like the, the peace accords. You know, we create like power sharing. Yeah. You know, but in. But as a business, are you allowed to do that in, in most of the states in the country? It, it's, it's different in every, every part of the country. So you can have microgrids. Uh, you can have your own uh, infrastructure. You can have your own solar grids. You can even you could build your own micro plant if you want to. Um, so that, that's certainly that's so possible cool. in lots of countries, especially if you don't connect to the grid. Yeah. Um, if you're going to connect to the grid, then it's regulated different in every in every part of the country. Uh, Texas is probably you know uh, the most open as far as the deregulatory environment, but other states are becoming uh, more and more deregulated as well. Uh, but it's all about if you connect to the grid. You can in most states, as long as you're not connecting to the grid, you can do mm -hmm. just about anything you want to. Um, but if you're not going to connect to the grid, then you have to start following whatever the regulatory environment is in that state. Uh, but I, I do see the amount of power that digital assets uses being a driver in innovation there. Um, and I'll tell you, saying that, we are in states that are regulated and we buy from regulated utilities, but they really like us as a buyer because we are a 20, you know, a 24 seven load and in the stable, that's stable right. in, load, in, yeah. in the world of power, you know, having a stable user is great because when power is generated and most people, when they are talking about power, they don't realize you can't produce power in New York and transport it all the way to California. That's not the way power works. Power, just, you know, it can you explain how power works? Source. No one understands. I don't understand <laughs> well, how power works. Well, you know, when power is generated, the further it goes from the source, the more it yeah. degrades. Well, it eventually loss. disappears, oh, right? So you have to, when power is generated, say at a hydro dam, if it's not used, then it's just wasted. It has to actually go into the ground. It just goes away. And so when you, in, in a nuclear plant, when you when you're when you're degrading the radioisotopes and they're degrading, if that mm. power is not used, it's wasted. It's not like you can go get it back again. So you know, power companies are constantly trying to figure out what their it's a load is going to be. But, but you can't store energy. Uh, it, not on mass yeah. scale yet. Well, okay. we do yeah. store energy on mass scale. It's called lakes with a dam. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's called no, lakes. No, it's right, right, right. So Gravitational potential energy. That's yeah, right. that's so yeah. cool. I never thought of reservoirs right. that way. They are yeah. large. Earth batteries. Batteries. batteries cool. Large batteries. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Um, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Mind blown. So, so, and they're really the most efficient battery mankind has come up with yet. Um, but outside of that, it's very hard to store power currently. Now, there's lots of people working on trying to make batteries better at storing. But right now, when power is made, capacitors, et cetera, yeah. it's not used. It gets wasted. It has to go into the ground. So, it, especially if you're wind, you're solar, you're hydro, or you're nuclear, you're one of those then certainly that power gets wasted if it's not used. Yeah. Um, it's a little different for natural gas or coal because you can fire or not fire it. So if you're running those those carbon things, the power companies really try to do a good job of of predicting how much power they're going to need. But again, it's because if they if they need it and they don't have it, they have to buy it off the grid and it's very expensive because they have to buy it from somebody else. Mm. If they produce it and don't use it, then it's wasted. It's wasted fuel. It goes into the ground. It gets it, it, So it's not used. So... Um, but the biggest thing most people realize is you in Florida can't be producing power and sell it to somebody in Montana. It's just not going to make it that far. Now you could, you could sell it into the grid and the whole grid's interconnected. Sure. But you know, people don't realize when they're talking about power and, and trying to have clean power and all that, it, it, it's all about power at the source and, and being close to yeah. you know, folks that are going to use it. Where Taras lives in Canada, they have a ton of hydropower way up north. Mm. Yeah, so getting getting that power down to where the population center is is 
burdensome and almost doesn't work and it's hugely expensive yeah. uh, to try to do. So you can have really great power, but if it, the power source is not near the users, then you have a problem uh, as it degrades, as it's moved. So, you know, that when, we, um, what we go ahead. When Puerto Rico had their big hurricane a few years ago and the power grid was down for months and years, still is, I was just there. Was that an issue with the grid itself or was it a, a power generation issue? Did you kind of like study that at all? I'm just curious. Well, I, it had to be some of the grid and some of the storage. Cause mm. I remember, I think, uh, uh, Tesla went in and put, put together some stuff there. They did the same thing in Australia. So you were just talking about your little microgrid at your house, Charlie. One of the, one of the safest ways to do it for the whole country or really anywhere in the world is a bunch of microgrids that, yeah. uh, you know, so that if a grid goes down, there's still generation going on at various places. When, when batteries become more prolific and, efficient you're gonna see a lot of homes go okay i'll just do solar with a battery yeah so that's my data. fear i had the yeah. tesla guy at the house i looked into the bat i wanted to like line my whole walls with the battery banks my friend did in puerto rico but i feel like still we're not at a at a hardware stability point yet where i just feel like every if i buy and invest and spend six months waiting by the time it comes out there's going to be better technology more efficient and it's just not worth it it's like well, you guys manage over 130,000 miners. That's the last statistic I had. You talk about mining fleet. What what happens? Do these machines become virtual paperweights when they when they you know aren't efficient anymore? Um, <laughs> depends well, on the price of that. Bitcoin. Right. It does depend <laughs> on the price of Bitcoin. You know, um, the old S nines that yeah. you know last June you couldn't actually get someone to take them for the recycle cost. Oh my god! I remember. They're now selling for a couple hundred dollars a piece, right? Yeah. So, you know, it really depends on the price of Bitcoin. DeFi, DeFi, DeFi. You keep hearing me talk about it. And we know at the same time that the stock market is at record highs, but the economy is broken in recession. Government debt is off the charts. They're printing trillions of dollars. We need a new financial system. And I've been talking about it. We've all been talking about it. Decentralized finance. We know that too. We know that there's like $40 billion in value sitting in all these DeFi protocols. And it's barely a year old it's new decentralized finance and it's brilliant and it works and there's a lot of money to be made in things like yield farming being able to provide liquidity but a lot of them are high risk there's scams and rug pulls that are so common to investors we don't want to repeat what happened a few years ago in the crypto space but what if there was a way to access those DeFi yields in a safe and transparent way. Well, I have the CEO, Tim Frost, of Yield.app, my newest sponsor on the show. Listen to that show and check out Yield.app because here you have this team that is constantly filtering through all these DeFi investments. They're consolidating your gas fees and they're only investing in a select few that generate more than 20%. But their risk is not, they're not just investing in these tokens and waiting for them to do well. They're also providing liquidity. They're doing yield farming. All these low risk, high investment to make the uh, infrastructure more efficient and better. So not only you're investing and making money, but you're also helping to grow this ecosystem. Make sure you check them out at yield.app. That's yield.app. And listen to the untold stories with Tim Frost, the CEO. My friend had a thousand of them in a South African warehouse. He couldn't get them even recycled. Like I remember a year and a half ago. Yeah. I wonder if he still has them. Yeah, but now well, if he does, he should sell problem. them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to message him right after this. That's crazy. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. So, you know, and what's interesting is, hell, I saw a, I saw some that were eight or nine years old. I saw some of the first ASICs back on the market. And I'm looking at them going, holy shit, that's still profitable right now. Um, right now, yeah. Yeah, so it really depends on, and again, you went back to Shatoshi and the white paper and the algorithms. 
um, you know, because it are it is profitable, there's going to be more machines attached to the network. There's a lot of machines that will come online yeah. later this year. And either the price of Bitcoin will go up and those old machines will still be profitable. Or if the price of Bitcoin, you know, remains relatively flat, then the difficulty will increase so much that those older machines will will fall off. In our world, when you're looking at investors and putting money into this space, if you are a, a shorter term bull, you know, you're going to be a, you want to be a miner because that's a mm. three to four year you know, return. You're going to you're going to buy a machine. You hope to pay for the machine in a year and then you hope to have a couple years worth of mining. If you're someone like core, we have a much longer infrastructure view. You know, yeah. uh, you see a picture behind Taras's head. That's one of our facilities. Um, but you invest in that property and plant. And the equipment you invest in is substations and transformers and, oh. and heavy, heavy power infrastructure. So you have 15, a 15, 20 year timeline. Yeah. Yeah. You have a much longer term, um, you know, view of things because if we want to be a global player in this space, we have to be efficient and to be efficient, you have to get very large. So you have to have efficiencies in the form of the power you buy, efficiency in the form of your operations. In our case, efficiencies in the form of your software that manages yep. the space. Um, there's a lot of great little um little software packages out there that man manage small mining operations you know a thousand or five thousand sure. units um that there's not so much many software options when you start talking about the tens and twenties and thirties and fifties and a hundred thousand units so you know the software to manage this stuff that's a longer term investment yeah but we're, we're doing that though you know to to make north america a viable operator in the digital asset mining space yeah. Uh, you know, in my view, in my view, there's nothing better than to have digital asset mining kind of spread out globally sure, uh, and not concentrated in any one area. I don't want to see it move from China to North America. I want to see it spread out. I want to see it in Serbia and Kazakhstan. I want to see a big chunk of it, 30 or 40 percent in North America. And I want to see a big chunk of it in China. But I, I want to see it spread out because I have heads of state calling me up in Eastern. I have heads of state. My friend is like the vice premier, not vice premier, vice, not vice prime minister. Deputy Prime Minister. Sorry, it's every country has their own titles. He's calling me yeah. up. He's begging me. He's like telling me, please, I will roll out the red carpet for these mining companies. It's cold here. We have cheap power. Please just come here. Which like, country? Well, I don't want to say it on the air because okay. we'll talk off. <laughs> fair enough. Fair no, because that could be a good that could be a good model for you. Like it's just it's so crazy how the world has changed in ten years. How now mining as an industry. And I wanted to ask you like about. Satoshi very quickly, but before that, will you buy my old FPGA boards? <laughs> and will you buy my Butterfly Labs contract? Because I'm still waiting for I'm just joking. Well, you guys know, do you guys know that I, I mined on the second ASIC that was ever invented? Yeah, Yifu Guo called me up. I tweeted about this morning. We were the living Avalon in Avalon V1. Yep, yeah. We were yeah. living in Brooklyn. The first one he sent to Mike Hearn. Uh, what a waste. And the second one. He sent to, he, he picked up it was for himself, but Yifu didn't have a car. The inventor of the AC didn't have a car. Butterfly Labs was still, we went to pick it up because he was using me for my trunk. I plugged it in at the bit instant offices. I was mining like 30 Bitcoin a day, some crazy number. And I remember we we it was just so annoying. It was like hot and loud. And I and my cus it was it was like running on the desk of my customer service guy Mandrick. And I and he was like yelling at me and I couldn't hear him. So I was like, dude, turn that shit off, man. I can't. <laughs> we kept turning it off and then we Mighty kept 30 selling it. Day, now I know. Holy crap. What yeah. 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 But so. this is well, like, they're still they're still hot and loud. <laughs> yeah, they are yeah. still hot and loud. Yeah. But that a noise, like you sleep on that noise. <laughs> but this is a real question. This is a real question that, that I you guys can answer better than I can because I think about stuff like this. I, I really do see myself as like 
a student of Satoshi Nakamoto. And it's kind of scary because you have to, f there, there's a line of like not looking at him as like a deity or a god as someone like that. It was more of like a very smart group of people who foresaw right. a lot of things. So my, in my opinion, and tell me if I'm, I'm going to put out a statement of fact. So tell me if any of this is wrong. But in my opinion, someone in the Satoshi group needed to have a very deep understanding of like power, the power grid, things like that, energy, you know, kind of things that you talk about that I, most people, myself, we have no idea. Do you think the Satoshi group kind of foresaw how mining would end up being now? Like, going from CPU to GPU to FPGA to ASIC, like just kind of that whole thing. And then like the ASIC boost type of stuff and then the consolidation and then the decentralization, all this within 10 years. Do you think Satoshi like thought this is how things would end up in terms of mining? Well, I'll take the first crack. I mean, um, the Satoshi group, based on the discussions on the cypherpunk channels back in the day, they actually had a lot of thought experimentation. And I don't think it would be beyond them to have actually thought through what would the end goal look like, uh, especially with like a globalized system like the internet as it was developing and ongoing development, right? I mean, e-commerce e really changed the entire retail game. And when they looked at how payments were evolving over time, you know, the, the long road ahead with power really being a central component, I don't think it was lost on them. I think that was certainly... Uh, fundamental to the white paper itself, using electricity as a form of entropy to secure the network itself, right? So I, I certainly do think that it was within their, their view and what they were thinking for the longer term, specifically, or as this becomes a global financial, pay, financial system and a store of value at this point. I hand it to Russ. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if they foresaw the amount of power being used, but they certainly foresaw the formula yeah. uh, of power being an input uh, digital assets being an output. Um, they certainly foresaw the efficiency gains happening with the way difficulty goes up, uh, difficulty goes up, machines fall off. Um, you know, if you really want to go down a rabbit hole, think about the fact that the Bitcoin network is a crazy AI that has managed to manipulate itself in humanity enough that it has a bunch of humans working for it. I mean, is there anything else on the planet <laughs> where, where a machine code has, you know, hundreds of thousands of people around the world working for it every day? to continually grow its network. I mean, self-sustaining. It's scary to think that Satoshi is the singularity. It's scary that the world. It's Skynet, man. I mean, it's there's scary. nowhere else. A bunch of humans are working on this machine and we're getting paid in trinkets for it. Oh, shit, uh, I'm doing its job right now. We're continuously growing this <laughs> oh. computer network. Um, you know, that's funny. Did you take the red pill or the blue pill? I <laughs> fell for yeah. it. Take them both. I'm doing its bidding right now. This show is right its now, bidding. Right Skynet. Right now. It's like yeah, that's two why I just show turns off. Matrix and Terminator, but they both kind of yeah. get to the same point, <laughs> right? You know, machines taking over everything. Yeah. Luckily, ASICs are pretty stupid as it when it comes to computational power. They're only really good at SHA-256, right? Yeah, so but I'm talking about very the formula itself. Output. All the humans, you know, we're building these big data centers where the power companies are providing the power. You know, there's a whole marketing piece that Charlie's involved with. That, that, you know, all yeah. these folks are working on this space only to grow this computer network. <laughs> the whole is larger than the sum of the parts, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a scary so. thought, to be honest with you. But if you think about the Satoshi group realized that the only way this would work is if there was no human at the helm. That's right. Yeah. The computers realize that we intrinsically distrust humanity. So let's build a system that's 
anti-trusting of humanity. Oh my God. So one of the things when people ask me, you know, we can't Bitcoin be replaced. <laughs> I was like, well, Bitcoin will never be able to be replaced because if it is, humans will know who the, who the replacement person is. And that's the whole great thing about Bitcoin is that you can't, because you, exactly what you just said, humans are naturally distrusting of other humans. Um, but you, you can't be naturally distrusting of code that is just out there that no human's benefiting from. <laughs> what what does happen to these machines when they become so inefficient that they, you know, these older machines, these you talk about like upgrading. So do you, they, do, obviously for you, the machines are not the finite resource. People don't realize that it's not the machines. That's the finite resource. It's the right. land. It's the energy. It's the power. And if you think about the Satoshi group or whatever, probably have to ask themselves, what is the only resource in the whole world that can never be completely controlled and centralized? And that's energy, right? Like just energy in general. So what happens to these machines? I'm curious. Recycling. Recycling. Yeah, we recycle. So yeah. we recycle them. So either they're sold off to other folks that want to keep buying them at a less efficient way. So at core, we always want to have the most efficient machines running. So, you know, we actually cycle in, even for our current clients, we will cycle them in new machines. They will sell their older generation machines to other buyers that are, are happy with that efficiency. Um, but like in the last halving event, we, you know, went through a huge recycling piece. Um, and well, I have a great business model for you guys too. You take the older, the older machines, you put, you put them a webcam on each machine and you let people for the nostalgia value purchase, <laughs> not like a cloud mining, but you're actually like looking at, this is your miner. And yeah, right. it's not mining as efficiently as whatever, but this is your miner. Now you're contributing, you're mining on the Bitcoin network. I'll be a lot slower than every, I'll be at a lot slower than everyone else, but that could be really cool. Cause that's where cloud mining really got started. And that there's no transparency around a lot of that industry. You don't see cloud mining so big anymore. What, whatever happened to that? All the big schemes that happened, right? Mm. Where there were several companies that uh, popped after hundreds of, hundreds of millions of dollars of capital flowed into them and they basically disappeared, right? And that's what I was mentioning earlier as to the transparency of what's been separating core and folks that are really emulating the model of transparency. Uh, we're changing the game on that side, right? Um, and just to go back to your other question as to what happens to miners, I mean, there it really is a global market. Uh, so if the miners themselves become inefficient to be hosted in a facility within North America, um, they are either recycled or they're shipped to jurisdictions globally where there is the cost of power is next to nothing, mm. right? So there is certainly lift and shift. I mean, you see it in China every year where they're literally lifted and shifted every six months with the power, with the cycle of uh, the rain season. Um, it just happens on a much bigger scale of inside of China. Chinese data centers are cities, though. People live in them. Wow. I can't believe I'll tell you what I'd love to see with the minor manufacturers is it to follow what the rest of the kind of the, the computer industries follow, which is, you know, uh, components where yeah. the whole machine isn't doesn't need to be recycled. But you take that aluminum box, which is the heaviest yeah. piece, you take the power supply and you just pull out the hashboards and replace them with new hashboards. I would love to see the industry get to a point where there's some components and all we're doing is replacing the hashboards. And I'm, I'm, it's shocking to me. It's sh absolutely shocking to me that none it's of the still not done this way. I've gone that way yet. Yeah. Wow. Um, they are looking at it though, with some of the immersion yeah. uh, gear that's coming out over the next 12 months, they are looking at uh, the chassis that stays and then you're just swapping yeah. out hashboards. That's what I'm talking about. So I, I, I'm not sure why we hadn't gotten there already. Yeah. Is, you know, the chassis with the fan and the PSU and then yeah. just hashboards coming in and out. Um, you know, it, it would seem to be, uh, 
I mean, it's the cheapest component, but it's also but at, that chassis is also the biggest logistic heaviest. Yeah. yeah, it's the heaviest, the one that takes a lot of time to move around. So, I wanna, wow. I wanna end off with this question, and really, it's something that I've always asked myself too: is should normal people, myself included, be investing in mining? And is there a way to do it if I really, really want to do it for the for just because my love of Bitcoin? What is the most efficient way to, to invest in mining without losing a ton of money? Well, um, these days, the mining game is a scale game. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't recommend anybody to go and try to build a road or a bridge. Um, the fact that the global industry is truly becoming an enterprise scale industry with hundreds of megawatts dedicated to specific facilities, I would encourage people to do their research. There is uh, several options in the public markets with high quality teams, with high quality operations uh, that would be an interesting longer term investment horizon for them. Um, but I would caution around retail size mining where you plug in a unit into your garage uh, and try to operate efficiently that way. So, um, you know, I'm a former banker, so I have to put that hat on and yeah. say, you know, do your research, understand the teams, you know, management, 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 find the right management team, find the right operational structure. And if you're willing to invest in the long term, uh, that'd be the way I'd recommend. But I'd defer to Russ. I was going to say, you know, um, two things. First off, I had a buddy of mine and he's he wanted his kid to get into it. So I said, listen, your kid's not going to have any fun just buying a Bitcoin ASIC machine and plugging it in. I said, go build a GPU rig with him and plug it in, in your garage. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I said, and he's like, what can I buy in Bitcoin with us? No, but you can mine other stuff with it and then trade that into Bitcoin. You know, so um, I was dealing with Bitcoin, to be fair, but fair. There's yeah, no, good no, no, point. I Russ. Say, good like, point. I, but point. I made that point because he has he has a teenage son and, and he's right. getting the software program and he wanted to know how he could get into this. I said, build a fair rig. Enough. He said, well, how can I do that? I said, go on YouTube. There's great videos on and, I, and you don't have to be expensive. You could buy you could buy three year old GPUs that are very affordable. Um, and if, again, if you're not trying to do it as a as a full on business, that's a good way to get started. If you're trying to do it as a business and you want to grow your fleet. Uh, you know, find a good hosting provider and say, "Hey, I'll, here's my ten machines, and I'm gonna mm. I want to add some more machines to it every couple months. I want to take my proceeds and invest it so I'm growing a bigger fleet." Um, but as Thras said, you can actually find good hosting providers, folks like Core, and there's plenty of other good ones out there. You can find good hosting providers where their hosting rate per hour is way less expensive than the power rate you're playing at Florida Power Light, right? So you come out way cheaper uh, uh, as far as you know cost of operations go yeah. by sending your units to a hosting operator. So if, if folks are interested, I would, I would start there, you know, get, get a few units and have them hosted somewhere and start, start collecting your proceeds from it. Um, as Thra said though, this, this game is getting where it is, lar especially North America, I should say, sure. it's getting where it is large scale hedge yeah. funds, probably traded companies, big, uh, big institutional guys that are coming in, um, you know, with, with larger mining operations. So if you, Want to be in the space in an ancillary way? There, as I said, there are public companies uh, with uh, audited statements, disclosures, all that kind of stuff that are big mining operations mm. that are focused solely on mining. Um, you know, in the business Thras and I are in, you you could buy BTC and, and hold it, um, but you know we're proponents of mining because you know ideally you could take the same number of dollars and buy miners with it, and if you are a long on BTC, you're going to end up with more BTC than if you just bought bought the BTC because you're mining longer term horizon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you got to have it. a long term horizon for that. Not a few months. If you're a miner, you, you you know, like I said, if you're a miner, you got a three or four year horizon. If you're a hosting operator like Core, where we mine and host, 
then you've got a 15, 20 year horizon. You're even longer term horizon. Um, so the final point is that my qualifier is on a retail investor. It's if you have like a hundred, 200, 300, a thousand, 5,000, the price of an S19 these days on the, on the secondary markets is like 8,000 to $9,000. Oh, I know. USD. Realize. Yeah. So there's a big barrier to entry for folks looking to get some exposure. So, I mean, again, it's around what type of capital you have to invest, but um, I think we gave but, you a pretty good response. <laughs> but that's a market thing. He just said yeah. the numbers right today. Yeah. Eight to nine. Last summer, summer of 20, that same machine was 1700 bucks, 1800 bucks. You, right? you really do have to keep your finger on the pulse of the industry. There's Absolutely. so many different metrics that are constantly going up and down and changing. And at the same time, like you have to be conscious of software upgrades too on the Bitcoin network and all the different networks of, of where everyone mines. And I feel like we've not even scratched the surface of mining, but Taras and Russell, thank you so much for, for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories today. I really appreciate you guys. How can, how can my listeners read more and learn more about what you guys are doing? Uh, check us out on uh, LinkedIn or, te- or Twitter or uh, our Telegram channel. Uh, we're constantly putting out information around some of the activities we're doing. Uh, Russ, what do you think? I was going to say coursescientific.com. And also our website. Yeah. And Charlie, we didn't even get into it. Course got a whole AI side of the house. That is super cool. We're into stuff yeah. with telecom, defense contractors, gaming. Um, and it's it's some crazy stuff. And that'll really scare you. If you think the you think Bitcoin taking over the world is going to scare oh my you, God. Wait, wait do you dive into the AI side of the house? <laughs> well, that's coming for part two for the listeners where we're going to talk about that. And that's actually, I don't know if I want to record that show. It sounds kind of crazy, but <laughs> no, it'll be good. It'll be good. This show is this show is produced by Blockworks.co, a media production company that I trust the most. Without them, the show would not be here. They have twenty other twenty other podcasts in their network that are run by friends of mine on all so many different topics. So if you like to listen and watch podcasts, check them out at Blockworks.co. I am your host Charlie Shrem, Taras and Russell from Core Scientific. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And have a great day. Strength in numbers. Vides in numeris.